Took all the footage off my TV Said it's too disturbing for you and me It'll just breed anger That's what the experts say If it was up to me, I'd show it every day Some say this country is just out looking for a fight after 9-11, man, I'd have to say that's right. Have you Criminals prefer an unarmed public. Our nation's worst crime statistics and most horrific recent events have taken place in areas that are known to be no-carry zones for law-abiding citizens. There's a reason schools make such good targets for gun violence. Only the criminal will be armed. I had to chuckle because then I noticed he had uh, Mr. Brady up here who was hit not with an assault weapon but with a 22 caliber revolver. So getting beyond that. It's about the weapons, the guns. Where did the killer get them? They're shocked at how easy it is to purchase a gun. It is simply too easy to obtain a firearm. While the gun is considered an instrument of war by many, to me, it is clearly an instrument of peace and of liberty. The gun promotes peace in the hands of peaceful people. The gun has no mind of its own. It has no morals and it has no conscience. In the same moment that the gun takes a life, it can be saving one and not be able to distinguish the difference. The gun and its use, for good or for evil, is solely at the discretion of its bearer. It took me a good 45 seconds to realize that this man wasn't there to commit a robbery. He wasn't there for a hit. He was there to simply shoot as many people as he possibly could. The gun levels the playing field when confronted by larger men, armed men, multiple attackers, and tyrannical governments. The right of self-preservation, the right to possess that gun, was afforded me by my maker and is non-negotiable. It is not up for consideration or discussion by any man or group of men on this earth. The right to bear arms is what protects my other rights. And considering the source of that right, it cannot and will not be taken away or disguised as some watered-down compromise. There are a few rights that man is born with and has been that way since the dawn of time. The Constitution of the United States enumerates those rights for us. The protection that it affords us is comforting. However, the Constitution has been ignored, gagged, whisked away to an office full of men that have taken pleasure in violating her, leaving her torn and bleeding, unable to help herself. People that were appointed stewards over her have been neglectful. They have been lured into complacency and have inadvertently turned a blind eye towards this criminal act. We, the people, have been distracted. We were promised safety and protection by the very men that have perpetrated this vile deed. 
without the support and protection of free men, dedicated patriotic Americans. The Constitution is truly nothing more than a piece of paper. Remember real clear years ago in the swamps of South Georgia. Came pulling crossmen in my hands, all I needed to be growed up. Homemade ice cream and barbecue and the family on Friday nights. Ten lane lamb on Saturday right before the morning light. We have a message for those that would take our guns away, whomever they may be, from whatever country or whatever unconstitutional faction they may belong to. Please understand that we have had everything taken from us that we are willing to surrender. Some of us have been shooting since before many of you were born. Many of us were trained by the same people that trained you, and some of us, through years of experience, know tricks that they haven't taught you yet. Think of your families and your future with them as we have done. We have decided that our future and that of our children cannot and will not be without freedom. We are willing to die to defend those God-given rights if need be. The question that each of you must ask yourselves, are you willing to die to take them away? From Hillary Clinton, from Barbara Box, Diane Feist, from a whole gaggle of numbnuts who would try to tell me they will dictate where, how, and if I can defend myself. I find that preposterous. I find it unacceptable, and I will not accept it. I am a free man. Don't tread on me. It's time for the shooting bench. If political incorrectness offends you, or if you don't like guns, or if you don't believe our government is corrupt enough to compare to 1938 Nazi Germany, this may not be the show for you, because for the next two hours, that's all we're going to talk about. You need to understand that there's a storm coming. You need to understand that the storm is building strength. And most of all, you need to understand that we are And it's that time again. Welcome to the shooting bench. It's Wednesday, February the 19th. And uh hope you guys had a 
good Tuesday where I missed you. Everything else went well. I'm sorry uh, to Tinker apparently had some problems getting his show on Saturday. I don't know what caused that. He is not um, was not able to somehow be able to uh, get that show sent to me. So um, apparently everything went pretty well. I guess you guys are listening on his podcast site and chatting on our chat room, and that's that's perfect. That's fine. That works out well. So if that works for him and works for you, then it works for me. I'm okay with that. Okay, well let's move on. We got um, got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, one of our representatives here in in uh, Arizona is named Paul. I think it's Paul Gosar, and uh, he is very much on our side. He said if SB 625 were to pass, that bloodshed would be imminent. Uh, whoa, okay, that's not, he's not in my district, but I. <laughs> Obviously, I support him 100%. Good for him. Okay, this uh, this first story is very much like something you guys are familiar with that I've talked about before with my son. My son was in fifth grade. <clears throat> I think, yeah, fifth grade, fourth or fifth, I don't remember. He uh, whooped up on a kid for, uh, the kid was bullying another kid. And uh, Wes stepped in there and and uh, took care of business. And I pretty soon I got a phone call said you need to come down to the school. Uh, well, okay then. I didn't, didn't know if they were one of the kids was hurt or or what was going on. I got there and they uh, they suspended him. <clears throat> and uh, most of you have heard this story. So for anybody that's new that hasn't, well, this is for you. So they suspended him, and we looked at everything, and, and uh, I said, okay, well, what happened? And so I got the whole story and got the report and got the witness reports who said that uh, the other kids started it and everything else. And and I said, well, I don't know why you're suspended. Of course, they have this zero-tolerance policy, which is stupid. It's 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 cheapy, sissified. Uh, you know, if someone doesn't matter, you know, if someone else starts it and you can't defend yourself and you're supposed to just sit there and get beat, you're going to get suspended either way. Don't matter who started or what happened. You you can sit there and get your ass beat and you're still going to get suspended. So Wesley chose to beat some ass and still be suspended. And that's what happened. I said, well, good job, son. Let's go down to Dairy Queen. I'll get you an ice cream. You can spend the rest of the day with me down the store. And that teacher just looked just absolutely appalled. And violence doesn't solve anything. I said, oh, hell yes, it does, too. I said, it solved that kid's problem, didn't it? I said, my son didn't do anything wrong, and I'm not going to punish him. We're going to get ice cream right now. So thank you. Well, anyway, this, this story about this kid here, um, uh, pretty much the same thing. He'd been bullied, and uh, see, he was not able to get things resolved to his satisfaction, so he took it into his own hands and took care of business. And, okay, fine. Got suspended for five days for beating up his bully. And the parents said, I'm supposed to be upset with him. Not even a little. She said, Mom shares a plea for change after son is continuously bullied. My son got five days out of school 
suspension for beating up the kid that's been tormenting and bullying, bullying him since middle school. Um, it says, for years, the school has failed this kid. Uh, when the kid is constantly threatened to beat Drew up along with several of his friends, the school did nothing. So that's that's the thing right there. The school won't do anything. And the school didn't do anything. They just make it it's simple. They just, you know, wash their hands of it. And, uh, okay, you're, you're, you're both in, in guilty. You're both suspended. Here's the paperwork. Get out of my school. And, okay, next, we're done. That was easy enough. Nobody's willing to take any responsibility. Well, this kid, this kid took responsibility. He squared it away and got to spend five days at home with mom. And, and uh, let's see. I think <laughs> it said three punches and this boy screamed like a baby. His minion friend shot up and this morning the boy wouldn't even look at him. Problem solved. As a parent, well, he says, I'm I'm supposed to be upset. Man. Um, I thought there was something else, and I guess not. So anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Let me uh, switch over. I while I'm switching screens here, I have been sending a whole bunch of stuff to. Well, actually, it's the same stuff over and over. Sending it to quite a few of the different um, Navajo uh, Facebook pages. And uh, some of them I know absolutely for a fact are not on my side and have no intention of being. But you know, I'm I'm touching base with all of them. If if some of the they haven't, I, I've noticed that they haven't deleted my post yet. And uh, you know, maybe it'll touch one or two of them. Maybe you'll be able to reach some. If there's, and I tell you, and I told you before, this may actually be our year. We may. Um, we may see some changes here because the uh, in the Navajo Nation, we're starting to see. I think it's for for most of them. There's always been one or two, but not many. But uh, we're starting to see a few of these guys drifting over into the conservative side and voting Republican. Not many. But we're seeing more now. We're seeing more this this year, this last couple of years, as they um, as they realize how bad the Democrats have been screwing them. Then they're um, they're they're drifting over into our side. So that's cool. So you know maybe maybe we'll have some luck. It's going to be it's still going to be tough, but maybe we'll have some luck this year. Just as uh, little aside here, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but um, this may interest uh, Doc there. This is uh, some of the, you know, the vintage rifle that he likes, although he's more of a, the um, Mauser fan, but this is an interesting story. After, after all these years, the Indian police, India, you know, Dot, not Feather, the uh, from India, are getting rid of their Enfields after all this time. I can't believe it. I can't believe they're still running them, to tell you the truth. The the Royal Ordnance Enfield 
uh, number four, Mark one. Bolt action, 303 British, 10 plus one round capacity, 25 and a half inch barrel. Developed in the early 1930s, has been used by British forces during World War II. And uh, they're they're great guns. There's not a thing in the world wrong with them. There's not there's not hardly any, if any, surplus ammo out there anymore. It dried up. I was still able to get a little bit back when I had the store, uh, you know, 15, 16, 18 years ago. There was still a little left, but can't hardly find it now unless you buy, you know, commercial new 303 ammo. But it used to be dirt cheap, and uh, anybody with 303s hopefully stocked up because it's it's pretty much non-existent now. So I don't know if it says yet what there is. See, the force used 45,000 vintage vintage Enfields. The agency standard issue rifle since 1947. Pretty impressed. That says a lot for the infield. It sure as heck does. I, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen in here. I'm sure it says here somewhere what they plan on replacing it with. But I haven't seen it yet. So, no, it doesn't say. Okay, well, that's what's going on anyway. Okay. Let's move along here and see. Let me make sure. Yep, everything's doing fine there. I think what I'm going to do while I'm organizing stuff here, I think I'm going to play a song for you. Just to the heck of it. So stay with me and I'll be back in a second.
okay. Nothing like a little Al Dean and the All-Stars to get the uh, blood pumping there a little bit. Make a couple of adjustments here right quick. And we'll <clears throat> we'll move along. Excuse me for clearing my throat in your ear here. Okay. It's, um, there's a bill here from, I believe it's in Georgia. Wait till this opens up here. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, I, these Democrats are so emboldened this year that it's unbelievable. We thought it's been bad before it, and we ain't seen nothing yet. But in Georgia, they, uh, they said after suffering a crushing defeat when they tried to oppose the heartbeat bill last year, there's um, a couple of senators and their pro-death supporters that took the year here to lick their wounds and come back this year with Senate Bill 291. And they tried to make it sound good. They tried to make it sound okay, like they're doing you a favor. The Georgia Death with Dignity Act. They're trying to introduce the same thing they did a few years ago. Uh, with all, you know, they, they did nothing's changed here according to this, but the name. They've got, you know, misleading language and, and, and pretty words in there and sounds all compassionate. And they've, uh, legalized this as a, uh, right to die eventually means a duty to die in their words. And compassion always means killing, according to them. They try to tell us when someone begins approaching the end of their lives as merely a shell of their former self, that they wouldn't choose to live like this, that they'd never want to be a burden on their loved ones, and that the compassionate or loving thing to do would be to murder them. Of course, they don't put it just like that, but that's what they're doing. So <clears throat> this is very much like, you guys remember old Charlton Heston movie called Soylent Green. Soylent Green was a food that, you know, America was was pretty much barren and desolate and and uh, difficult to grow things. Everything was in, in greenhouses that they were able to grow. And it was it was hard <clears throat> for everybody. So what they were doing, what Charlton Heston eventually found out, is that Soylent Green was made out of people. That they were taking old people, people that, that you know, as this article says, that have a, a duty to die. Uh, the, it's a place where you can go, and uh, it's an assisted suicide deal. And they... You know, you, you get to watch, they're taking this nice room and, and you get to watch movies of, of deer and forest and butterflies and all this stuff that nobody has seen for years and years and years that the younger, younger kids have never seen. And, um, they give you an injection and you get to watch all this and pretty soon you just go to sleep and then, then they process you into food called Soylent Green. And I, I'm sure that they haven't stooped to the point of making food out of people yet, although I'm, you know, I'm, wouldn't put it past them. But this is kind of what this is all about here. Um, 
it, let me let me back up here just a little bit. It says, um, says, I spent the majority of my childhood with my grandparents. My mother was very young, unprepared, unmarried when I was born. Worked two or three jobs most of the time. Dropped me off my grandparents' doorstep for days or weeks at a time, often with little, little to no notice. I'm certain that the intrusion of an infant when their own children were finally grown and out of the house was not ideal for them, but my grandmother never once let me feel like a burden. She joyfully nurtured and loved me. She fed fed me when I couldn't feed myself. She interpreted for me when I couldn't yet speak. She stood, hold on just a second here. Got that out of my system. Let me get back over here to the story now. Uh, let's see, he taught me how to saddle and ride a horse, showed me the difference between right and wrong, doesn't change, uh, it has nothing to do with how we feel at the moment. Objectively, I was useless to her, I couldn't speak, couldn't walk, couldn't use the toilet independently, I gave nothing, required much, I complicated her life at a time when she should have been able to finally begin to relax and take things a little easier. Maybe even start to travel or take up those hobbies she's been meaning to do. My grandmother now lives every day dependent on oxygen tanks that used to that must be changed every few hours, medicines and injections that must be administered in strict regimens. She has COPD, Alzheimer's, and her doctors very recently found a cancerous and inoperable tumor. She is forgetful, clumsy, el- clumsy elderly, and feeble. The woman who showed much strength of character, uh, the woman who was such a pillar of independence and grace for my entire life, the woman who taught me how to hold a fork and was in, always cook bacon in the cast iron skillet before making cornbread, um, so on and so forth. And uh, as she says, I can still feel her love when I lie beside her, even though she sometimes can't wrap her arms around me like she used to, I still see my grandmother. And anyhow, is uh, make a, a very long story a little bit shorter here. They are trying desperately to pass this bill to get rid of people that are inconvenient in our lives. So there'll be a special place in hell for these people when they finally get this uh, worked out one way or another. So I hope they, you know, I won't say what I hope they do. But remember, wait a minute, let me check to see where we're at for time here. We had our song a while ago, but I think I'm going to take a little break just because I'm going to take a little break. So I'll be back in a minute. Stand by. I'll be back. Welcome to Doc's Freedom Files. Have you ever noticed how politicians frequently loosen their tie, roll up their sleeves, and tussle their hair when they try to identify with hardworking average American voters. It's pure show business, affectation, and political theater, folks. Every rolled cuff and tussled lock of hair is overseen by stylists, handlers, and political henchmen. They're trying to convey an image that says, sadly, for professional reasons, I have to live in the lap of luxury and wear this $2,000 suit but I'd really rather be digging ditches or picking chicken guts with the regular hard-working folks. Maybe after work, we can go knock back a few cold ones. We're broke, America, busted, in the hole, and have been for a very long time. 
our federal debt exceeds all debts of all humanity dating back to the beginning of time. Everyone knows this. Everyone, except, apparently, our politicians. Poor Democratic Florida Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz. She and her husband drive about a hundred grand in automobiles and own a couple of houses worth a cool million bucks. Her staffers earn between $60,000 and $160,000 per year. Yet the representative recently suggested that budget cuts and rising restaurant costs are pricing her staffers out of a good meal. Tisk tisk. President Obama recently concluded an African tour that estimates say ran over $100 million. You have to wonder how many starving African bellies a hundred mil might fill. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. During his 2013 European tour, Vice President Joe Biden dropped a cool million dollars on two nights in a French luxury hotel. Nice work if you can get it. Air Force One, Air Force Two, limousines that weigh as much as a Sherman tank, and all the king's horses and all the king's men. These things leave a carbon footprint somewhere between volcanoes and global gorilla farts. Yet you, deluded, confused, abused, unimportant little American citizens, are told to drive recycled Budweiser cans and live in mean little hovels with summer thermostat settings just below charbroil. Your winter heating bill will be doubled and your winter thermostat settings inspired by glaciers. All to stop global warming, don't you know? And these things barely scratch the surface of the excesses of our political class. Maybe Wasserman Schultz staffers should drop by the food bank to pick up economy recipe tips from their constituents. Maybe the White House should shut off the air conditioning and get a good African mealypap recipe. That's boiled corn mush, the staple of food in sub-Saharan Africa. It's cheap and earth-friendly. Oh, and Joe, next time you need a room, Try Motel 6. They'll keep the lights on for you. This is Doc Tubes wishing you life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is a uh, island that at its widest level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore? And at its smallest level, uh, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very small island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 24 miles long, about 7 miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that, that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my my fear is that uh, 
the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The, uh, the Guam population, I think, currently about 170. Welcome back to another segment of The Shooting Bench, right here on the Survival Circle Radio Network. All right, let's see if we can get this finished up here. Uh, here about, I don't remember how long it was, three, four, five, six weeks ago, it was a while back, we talked about a man who was desperate to regain custody of his seven-year-old son, uh, trying to get him away from her mother, his mother, who was trying to turn him into a girl. Um, anyway, the man won. He recently, uh, the, the mom lost the custody bottle, bottle battle <laughs> after trying to transition this seven-year-old boy into a girl. So this is very good news. It's uh, one more small thing we hear of, uh, you know, winning for our side. So we're damn glad to see this happen. I suppose you guys have seen that. Uh, matter of fact, I think I mentioned this the other day that uh, Virginia is making a bill to make suppressors illegal. I know I mentioned that the other day, so I'll throw it out there again. Okay, there's... Um, I think I'll save that. If we have time, I'll come back to that later on. All right, let's uh, let's move on here. I had a couple of things. Here, here's something. Let's go ahead and do this right quick. If um, if you haven't already seen this, they are changing the. You know what? I just realized something here, and I apologize. I think the. The show, the uh, story about the Georgia death bill. Apparently, it looks like I'd already done that, so I desperately apologize for wasting your time on that. So I get confused moving here so quick all the time. But anyway, okay, the ATF, I know I haven't done this one. The ATF is proposing a change to 4473, the form 4473 that you have to fill out when you buy a gun from a dealer. And they've uh, got some new rules coming out for it that will make it easier, they say, for a national gun registry. Now, people have, have assumed for years that 4473 was a registration. It is not a registration. It is a background check. And uh, they didn't even know what you bought. They just knew that it was a long gun or a handgun. And then they changed it here a few years ago to... Include things like, um, there's been several changes, uh, pistol grip shotguns were now considered handguns if they, um, if they came from the factory that way. And, you know, quite a few other changes, but anyway, here's, um, here's what we know about the 4473. It hasn't, I don't think it's been introduced in its entirety yet and been released. 
But if you remember, you know, back during um, the movie Red Dawn, both of them, the the old one and the new one, they talked about going and and retrieving the forty four seventy threes from the dealers so that uh, they could figure out who had the guns around there. Well, that's always been a very real danger. It wasn't a danger from the government do it. It's a danger from anybody that happens to get uh, a hold of those forms. It could even mean that an underhanded, low-life, punk, piece of garbage employee could run in there while the boss is gone and take pictures of a bunch of those 4473s and give them to uh, friends, accomplices, associates, that could then go and find out where those guns are. He could do that a few times over a period of, you know, however long, a few weeks or months, and and be able to re- re- review these things and find out, well, this guy here, he's... He's quite the uh, uh, quite the aficionado of a certain type of gun, and according to all of our entries here that we have so far, he has bought at least bought is that a word? He has bought at least you know six of them, ten of them, whatever the case may be. Here's his address. Here's everything we need to know about him. So uh, our forty four seventy threes were not that uh, readily available when, of course, Jason had had access to them. But, you know, I'd trust Jason with, with my life, so that was not a problem. But, you know, nobody else, you know, cleaning people or anything like that could ever have access to them. So, at any rate, the, um, the let's see, and you know that uh, Bloomberg has made this universal background check now the centerpiece of his uh, big campaign for, for presidency and is working on that all over the country. And we know that the ATF is trying to put the names of gun owners on the same page of the 4473 as the identifying information of the gun. But if they're successful with changing the 4473 in this way, it'll be easier for the ATF to create a national gun registry by, you know, the the forms that you fill out is, back up just a little bit, you fill out what's called a, a bound book. And the bound book is a, uh, contains all the, um, uh, the, the buyer's personal information, 4473, and all that is, uh, uh, and the information of the gun is found on the 4473. So we know that um, the ATF is now trying to put the names of the gun owners on the same page of the 4473 as the identifying information of the gun. As it is right now, your name's on the front page, and the identific- the, the information of the gun is on the, I believe, the fourth page now. The 4473 used to be a single sheet, front and back, and uh, then they put a whole bunch of uh, directions on it. So the two inside sheets were all directions, and the back sheet, if I remember right, was the um, information for the gun. So what they're trying to do, and I'm not sure how much of a difference this will make, but they're 
making it where, of course, it would be a little more convenient, a little easier if someone wanted to use these for registration purposes to have the the buyer's information on the same page as the gun information. So that's that's uh, may not sound like a big deal, and maybe it's not, but it's got some people worried. So that's what's coming up on the 4473. I, uh, let's see, we talked about that already. Tucson. Tucson mayor setting up a gun violence reduction task force. Bless his heart. Uh, this must feel so good to these people to, um, to do something like this. I mean, like, wow. How cool is that? Tucson mayor's office asked to set up gun violence reduction task force. Uh, being put together by the city of Tucson. This comes after the shooting at East 30th Street almost two weeks ago. Tucson chief, let's see what's the date on this. This was Valentine's Day. So anyway, it talks about the people that were hit and a um, little girl was hit by a stray bullet and whatnot. So so they're, they're creating a task force here. We cannot wait to have the federal government act on prevention of gun violence or on universal background checks. We have to, as cities... We have to step up and try to do whatever we possible can. It should be possibly can, but it says possible can, that we have at our disposal. Now, one thing that he may run into, and I, I, I don't see it mentioned in the story anywhere, was <clears throat> um, we have a state preemption law which prevents lower municipalities um, or, or government, you know, subdivision, political subdivisions from creating any law contrary, any more stringent than state law is. So uh, for my money, Tucson can't do this. And we may see a story coming out here where the attorney general has said, no, you can't do this later on. But for right now, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, I don't know if they're changing, if they're trying to change some laws or if they're simply getting a group of people out there to to go forth and harass the hell out of people. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. Anyway, I am certain that most of you have seen that Governor Northam got his ass handed to him. He uh, suffered a terribly embarrassing loss here as all of his assault weapons ban and all this stuff that he was trying to get through was all quashed by the legislature there. The, the, the whole thing was was uh, dumped. So he's, I'm sure he is uh, devastated. Um, let me check my time. Okay, we still got a few minutes here, so let me get back over here. This is a neat little deal. I'm not sure how necessary it is, but it's kind of cool. There's, uh, it's called the, the Air Force has got it. It's called the GAU-5A. It is a very, very compact, collapsible, fold-up, mini-stored little M4 used to pack into ejection seats. So if you have to eject... You have an M4 and I believe four 30-round magazines as soon as you hit the ground. As soon as you find your uh, ejection seat there, um, 
it's uh, going to be loaded with goodies. Uh, this thing is it. Uh, what they wanted was a standoff weapon that was capable of hitting man-sized targets at 200 yards, which doesn't take a whole lot. So I'm looking at this picture. The pistol grip folds back. The uh, thing attaches, kind of, it breaks apart kind of like the the uh, takedown uh, 1022 or the Ruger PC-9, something like that. It breaks apart right at the front of the receiver, and the um, uh, the upper is not a conventional upper. The, the, the receiver, the upper receiver that would normally come off doesn't. I mean, it does, but it doesn't come off with the barrel and stuff for storage. And this thing has a, I think, a what is it, a 16-inch barrel? Um, let's see if I can find it. This thing has to fit inside of a 16 by 14 by 3.5-inch uh, seat compartment. And I guess they've already made like 27 or 24 or 2700. I don't remember which. But... Um, the guns get that small due to the use of a, an M4-style collapsible stop, flip-up back iron sights, Israeli defense folding pistol grip, and a Cry Havoc tactical quick-release barrel kit. So the upper part of the receiver stays attached. And, you know, they used to have, you remember the old uh, years ago, well, not that many years ago, but quite a few years ago, they had the... Um, uh, what they call it, the, uh, M, the M4 survival rifle and then the M6 survival rifle. And one of them was a 410 over a 22 Hornet. And, uh, anyway, it was a little over and under. Uh, it, the only thing they were good for, you might, you might accidentally kill a, uh, there was one of them was a 22 and the other one was 22 Hornet is what it was. Well, you might accidentally kill one bad guy, maybe two, with this thing. Uh, it was basically more for killing rabbits and surviving more than anything else. It was just a survival rifle. And then they went with the, uh, let's see, the AR-5. And that was the Armalite gun, the floating thing in the big old bulky barrel stock where everything fit in the butt stock. Uh, they shoot well. I was, I've shot one of those. I've never owned one, never wanted one, but I did have the opportunity to shoot one time and it shot really, really well. I was flabbergasted at how well it did. It was adopted by as the M1A, uh, oddly enough, at some point back in the 70s, but never actually put into production. So the... Uh, the uh, Bushmaster had a pistol in 5.56. Was another one planned by the Air Force, but uh, it never got never got off the ground really either. So, anyway, this thing seems to be uh, they've they've made quite a few of them. Interesting little piece. I mean, it'd be a good thing to to throw in a suitcase. It looks like it probably puts together in in uh, put it together in you know 30 seconds and have it ready to shoot. So kind of a neat deal. I'm sure they're expensive as all get out, but um, who cares? It's taxpayers' money, and they got plenty of it, right? Uh, a little story here just to catch you up on what's going on with the Mexican cartels. They're using kids now as young as 12 to smuggle drugs and weapons across the border, and uh, that's not a 
not a cool thing to do at all. But, um, oh, this, um, there's one, or at least one, Virginia Democrat who joined in with the um, GOP out of Virginia <clears throat> to kill this gun control bill. And this Democrat says, <laughs> he says that the Second Amendment Act activists made the difference. He said that that rally and the number of people that they had, the the impression that they made on people is was the uh, basically the turning point uh, for trashing this legislation. So good for them. And I've, I've talked to some people that have been down to the um, big rally we had here in Arizona the other day. I think I told you Monday that there was around 3,000 people in there, and it has made quite a difference. That's about 10 times, 10 times what we normally have down there. They've been doing a rally similar to this for uh, – quite a while down there. I actually, if you go on my YouTube channel, you'll find where I spoke at one of these about four or five years ago and in exactly the same place, the same location as this last one was held. And uh, about 300 people is what they've had just about every time until this time. So with what went on in Virginia and what's going on around the country, um, when they managed to get about 3,000 this time. All right, let's uh, let's knock out one more little deal here before we go. This happened out of Louisville, Kentucky. They have released a surveillance video there showing exactly what happened when this you know, this masked robber found himself uh, kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, this happens from time to time where somebody decides to rob a store where there's you know two or three concealed carriers or two or three off-duty cops or whatever the case may be. But according to the court documents here, guy walked into a place called Raising Cane's, Raising Cane, um, late one Saturday evening and wearing a mask and armed with a gun, demanded cash. What he didn't know was that two married off-duty police officers from Elizabethtown were enjoying a date night, uh, bless their hearts, in a, in a booth nearby to this. So this video shows this detective and his wife jump up. Um, guy said, uh, I saw her hands go up and I'm thinking, is he going to do what I think he's doing? And uh, we just looked at each other and said, what's going on? Instincts took over and we just felt like we needed to, felt like we, you see, we just did what we felt we needed to do. Anyway, with guns drawn, they ran to the guy, dropped his weapon, Ran out of the building, dropped his gun at the door, but they chased him and uh, took him down in the backyard just a block away. And so that's quite a date night. That's that's pretty awesome. That would be cool, honey. Let's uh, let's go to. Uh, oh, stop! Would you? I didn't ask your opinion. Anyway, all right. Well, I think I've had all the fun we can stand, but. Uh, this Friday, I think, I think I have, let's see, it's the 21st. I think I have nothing planned, so Liberty Lounge should be on as normal. Uh, 
and uh, I'll get with um, Concreten and see what he plans to do with his show. Uh, whether and and I'll put a a note on the chat room, or he can one or the other, and let you know when, you know where he's going to put it. But uh, he he may have uh, this routine of doing it with on the podcast may uh, may have worked out well enough for him that he's just going to keep it there. So. Anyway, we'll find out, and I'll let you know. And I will see you Friday evening for Liberty Lounge. And uh, we've got some songs that we haven't heard for quite a while. A couple of them we haven't heard but once or twice the whole time I've done the show. And a uh, pretty good lineup for you, I think. Uh, you'll enjoy Liberty Lounge this week. I'll let you know if there's any um, updates on my campaign. Right now it's moving along. I'm trying to still need money. Anybody's got a few, you know, ten thousand or a hundred thousand dollars out there laying around that that you don't need. You need to find some places tax tax deductible, put it to a good use. Well, by golly, we can take care. Okay, I thought I made a terrible mistake there, and and uh, I guess it's okay. I guess it's gonna. I guess it's gonna be all right. So anyway, yeah, you got a whole bunch of money. We'll send it in here. I need banners. I need bumper stickers. I need caps, t-shirts. I need to get some get some action going in. It's going to be very difficult for me to to win this race, and it's not going to be cheap. So, and uh, anyway, if you're not in Apache County, you have no uh, you have no dog in this hunt anyway. So I don't expect you to. Uh, although there has been some that have been very very generous that lived outside the county, uh, even outside the state. So very grateful for those people. Anyway, I'm I'm. Uh, blabbering so you know what happens when that happens i gotta go good night well that wraps up another edition of the shooting bench join me monday and wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m pacific and again on fridays from 7 to 10 for the shooting bench good night and thanks for joining me Reconciliation. No, let's talk it over. Number I can call. Goodbye says it all.